Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. Have you guys ever read Shakespeare's Macbeth? Many of you probably have, but for those of you who haven't, let me catch you up to speed with what you need to know for today's episode. The play tells the story of a Scottish general named Macbeth who encounters three supernatural witches. They predict that one day soon, Macbeth will become the king of Scotland. Since the rest of the plot doesn't really concern our story, we can just leave it at that. If you have read the play, you might recall that these witches are not actually called witches within the text. They're called the Weird Sisters. When I first read Macbeth as a sophomore in high school, I remember thinking that Shakespeare's usage of the word weird was a little weird. To me, weird seemed like a word better suited for the kid in class who picked his nose and ate his boogers than for a trio of prophetic witches in a Shakespearean tragedy. I couldn't understand why Shakespeare, supposedly the greatest writer of all time, would use such a vaguely mundane word in one of his most enduring plays. In a historical setting marked by thanes and knights, an epithet like the Weird Sisters just seemed out of place to me. Of course, the fault was my own. My 15-year-old self was misreading the word weird according to its modern definition, which is something like strange, fantastic, or disturbing. Though you could apply this modern definition to certain aspects of the witches, it just doesn't seem to capture their fundamental essence. And it doesn't because this modern sense of the word was not yet in existence at the time of the play's composition. As it appears in Macbeth, the word weird actually means of or relating to witchcraft or the supernatural. This supernatural sense of the word first appeared during the 18th century, and it predates the strange, fantastic, or disturbing sense of the word by about 100 years. Though it's a stretch, it's not impossible to see how the former definition gave way to the latter definition. On all counts, the supernatural is indeed strange, fantastic, and disturbing. In fact, it's due to the Weird Sisters' physical portrayal on stage that this modern sense of the word gradually emerged over time. Though the Weird Sisters have little in common with the kid in class who picks his nose and eats his boogers, we can still make a connection between the two and see how they're basically opposite ends of a single spectrum. Before we continue, did any of you literary buffs catch the inconsistency in the story so far? I said that the supernatural sense of the word weird dates back to approximately the 18th century, yet Macbeth, which of course contains this very usage in the Weird Sisters, was written during the early 17th century. What's going on here? Though, at first, it may seem as if Shakespeare's usage is drawing on the supernatural sense of the word, the supernatural sense of the word is actually drawing on Shakespeare's usage. That seems backwards, doesn't it? Does this mean that Shakespeare invented the word weird in Macbeth? Well, not exactly, but due to Macbeth's popularity, Shakespeare did inadvertently revive the word from a long period of dormancy. If that's the case, who invented it, when was it invented, and what did it originally mean? The story of weird begins sometime around the 5th century AD. That's about 1100 years before the time of Shakespeare, and 1,500 years before the present day. At this point in ancient history, 
Old English was the predominant language spoken by the Anglo-Saxons who inhabited the British Isle, and the word weird was not an adjective, but a noun. The most common modern English translation of the Old English noun weird is fate. Over the course of today's episode, we're going to see why this modern English translation of this Old English word, weird, isn't exactly right. It isn't exactly wrong, either, but it's a drastic oversimplification that misses a very important point. The Old English word weird represents the early Anglo-Saxons' radically unique and radically complex interpretation of the concept of fate or, perhaps more accurately, a concept that today, for lack of a better word, we're stuck translating as fate. This episode is basically my attempt to refute the complacency of this all-too-common and all-too-straightforward modern English translation. The Old English sense of weird, which at this time was most commonly spelled W-Y-R-D, is so intertwined with the cultural beliefs of the early Anglo-Saxons that you can't really understand the meaning of the word without understanding certain aspects of the culture that spawned the word itself. So before we can answer the question, what makes the Anglo-Saxon concept of weird different from our modern concept of fate, a more important preliminary question is, who were the early Anglo-Saxons and what was their deal? The early Anglo-Saxons were an ethnic tribe that arrived on the British Isle via continental Europe during the 5th century AD. They spoke a dialect of Germanic that would eventually become English, so if you speak English as your first language, regardless of your ethnicity, the Anglo-Saxons are your direct linguistic ancestors. Though initially they were a pagan people belonging to a Germanic cultural tradition, they were converted to Christianity during the 7th century AD. However, due to this chronology, their language was filled with words influenced by pre-Christian pagan concepts, and many of these words anachronistically lingered in English centuries after the Anglo-Saxons were Christianized. One of these words was weird. So let's start differentiating weird from fate by comparing their etymologies. The word weird is derived most directly from the Old English verb weirthen, which means to become. A very literal translation of the Old English word weird might be something like that which has become. It's not too hard to see how this etymology is responsible for producing an archaic word that supposedly means fate in a modern English translation. On its own, this etymology is not particularly interesting, but when contrasted with the etymology of fate itself, we wind up with two words with very different implications. Fate is derived from the Latin word fata, which means prediction. Fata is derived from another Latin word, fatus, which means spoken, as in the past participle of the verb to speak. In turn, the Latin root word of fate literally means that which has been spoken. Obviously, that which has been spoken cannot be unspoken, so according to the worldview expressed by the word itself, fate is, by nature, unchangeable. So here's the very stark etymological, which is also to say ideological, difference I've been talking about. 
Whereas the Latin root word fatus defines fate as unchangeable, the Old English root word weirthen defines weird as change itself. Think about it. That which has become is basically the same thing as saying that which has changed. So if weird is literally derived from the notion of change, but is also a form of predetermination, how does it work? Like fate, isn't predetermination by its very nature unchangeable? Well, the key to understanding this apparent contradiction is by understanding the ancient Anglo-Saxons' unique conception of time. In a linear conception of time, time moves forward and only forward. Unless you're a closet time traveler, you probably experience time in a linear fashion. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. But if you were an ancient Anglo-Saxon, you might experience, or at least believe to experience, the phenomenon of time as a series of separate nonlinear events. These nonlinear events not only could affect the future, but also, from a certain point of view, re-affect the past. The precise manner in which these nonlinear events interacted is at the heart of the concept of weird. Does this sound like anything having to do with fate as we know it? Not at all. It sounds more like a sci-fi movie or something. Because these concepts are so foreign, I feel like the best way to understand the relationship among time, weird, and change is by looking at a few metaphors. Weird is like throwing pebbles into a still lake or a pond. If you throw a handful of pebbles into either body of water, you'll generate many overlapping ripples that collide with one another regardless of the order in which they hit the water. If the interaction of ripples represents human action and the water itself represents time, the distinctions among the past, present, and future suddenly become ambiguous and the consequences of any given action can affect any given tense. Not only that, but the course of a predetermined event may be altered due to the sudden intervention of another predetermined event. According to this model, there are multiple predetermined possibilities for the future. Again, think of the way that ripples collide to form new ripples. Weird is simultaneously predetermined and ever-changing, and since it conceptually defies the laws of chronological time, what has become can, in fact, unbecome. Contrast this with the simplistic metaphor that can be used to describe fate. Fate is more like throwing pebbles into a river. A river flows in one direction, and if the pebbles are thrown in, they'll be carried away by the water's inescapable flow. The causes and effects here are far more straightforward. Another way of conceptualizing weird is by visualizing a multi-pattern woven cloth. This weaving metaphor is actually native to the Anglo-Saxons themselves. In the rhyming poem, one of the most noteworthy Anglo-Saxon works of literature, the speaker of the poem states, quote, Weird wove this for me. End quote. A woven cloth comprises two planes of interlocking threads, one horizontal and one vertical. In the context of this analogy, the vertical threads can represent time and the horizontal threads can represent actions. So, if the threads are already woven, they'll represent past actions. If the threads are being woven in real time, they'll represent present actions. And if they're not yet woven at all, they'll represent future actions. 
This part of the analogy is straightforward, but it contains a deep, subtle implication. Though the actual threads that have already been woven cannot be undone, the overall design of the cloth is never permanently fixed as long as the weaving process carries on. You can't alter a small portion of the cloth without altering the overall shape of the whole thing. Every new pattern of the cloth reshapes the foundation upon which new layers eventually will be woven. This analogy implies that who we are and what we do is a direct result of who we were and what we did. In contrast, according to the worldview of predetermination suggested by fate, this existential component of who we are and what we do barely matters at all. If fate ordains a certain outcome of an event, that's the end of the story. What is spoken cannot be unspoken. But according to the worldview of predetermination suggested by weird, who we are and what we do means everything. Now that we've explored the very complex etymological, philosophical, and mythological aspects of weird, I'd like to bring our narrative back down to earth and address a few historical points that I haven't mentioned yet. When fate entered English via Old French during roughly the 13th century, it initially was used as a synonym for the older, native pagan word, weird. However, after about a century, weird fell out of usage and fate became the standard English word meaning the agent of predetermination. However, in the neighboring country of Scotland, the word survived in the old Scots language where it came to mean witch. As we know by now, Weird reflected a long-dead pagan tradition, and after the Christianization of the British Isle, paganism became blasphemous and disreputable. The practice of witchcraft was a taboo that existed outside the spiritual realm of the Christian church, so it's not hard to see how the native Germanic pagan word for the agent of predetermination came to be associated with witches. Which brings us back to where our story began. Finally. The Weird Sisters in Macbeth are witches, and Macbeth takes place in Scotland. Coincidence? I think not. The term Weird Sisters actually can be traced back to Scottish manuscripts from as early as the 15th century, and, like its usage in Macbeth, it appears to be an epithet for witches. After all we've just discussed, it's these obscure manuscripts that are the ultimate inspiration for the Weird Sisters in Shakespeare's play. Both the language of Old English and the culture of the Anglo-Saxons would have been as foreign to Shakespeare as they are to us today, and it's likely that he himself was unaware of the extent to which weird was tied to Germanic culture. Retrospectively, the term Fate Sisters seems like a more accurate epithet for the witches in Macbeth. However, in spite of what the Anglo-Saxons believed about weird, we can't actually go back in time and re-affect the past, and you know what? The English language is better for it. Without the Weird Sisters, today, we wouldn't have the same word to describe the kid in class who picks his nose and eats his boogers. So, what's the takeaway here? Words like fate and the Anglo-Saxon sense of the word weird don't correspond to empirical truths. The concept of predetermination suggested by the word fate is derived from one particular worldview, and the concept of predetermination suggested by the word weird is derived from a completely different worldview. Even though both words correspond to roughly the same abstract concept, 
the worldviews from which they derive are so radically different that the cultural significance of each word is lost the moment we equate one to the other in translation. Well, that's it for this one, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to reach me directly with comments, criticisms, or questions about the show, you can email me at wordsforgranted at gmail.com. If you're already in love with the show and want something more, head over to the Words for Granted blog at wordsforgranted.com. I'll be posting short articles about the origins of words relevant to current events. I also urge you to leave a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to the podcast. That really helps put the show into the hands of more listeners and ultimately keeps the show alive. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so via Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a great crowdfunding service that helps independent creators get their work out into the world. You can pledge as little or as much money as you'd like. Just head over to wordsforgranted.com to find the link. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, and one more thing. I'd like to give a shout-out to Zach Tenorio Miller from Arc Iris for providing Words for Granted with music. To find out more about Arc Iris, you can go to arcirismusic.com. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time here at Words for Granted. Words for Granted.